the presence of the great I am. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. The I am that I am that was revealed through Jesus Christ in the New Testament. He's in this place tonight. He's here right now. Somebody just call on Jesus. Just call on Jesus. tonight our God is not dead but he is alive and he is a very present help he's a very present help he is he is he is if you need a healer tonight he is if you need a savior tonight he is. If you need a deliverer tonight, He is. If you need a way maker, He is. Oh, yes, He is. Why don't you just grab a hold of somebody right now and just pray in the Holy Ghost. God's preparing the atmosphere for what He desires to do in the next few moments. Come on, just get a hold of somebody. If you don't have the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, you can receive the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody that has the Holy Ghost will pray with you. Oh, come on, stir up that holy gift that is within you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We've already had one receive the Holy Ghost. If you've never received the Holy Ghost right now, it would be a good time. To receive his spirit. Oh, that river of living water is flowing through this house. There is a river. There is a river. Step on out into the flow of that river.
Got another one receive the Holy Ghost right here. Hallelujah. We got another one right here receive the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's apostolic. While Peter yet preached the word, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. There is no set agenda in an apostolic Pentecostal church that a move of God or a miracle or receiving the Holy Ghost is only reserved for a certain portion of the service. The only agenda that we have tonight is that we have a move of God. It can be before worship, during worship, after worship, before preaching, during preaching, after preaching. The only agenda is that we show up and let God do what God wants to do. Allow God to move the way God wants to move. Let God arise. Let God arise. I believe God responds to faith. We can limit what God wants to do based on our faith. There were times that Jesus could do no great work because of their unbelief. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according, according to the power that worketh within us. If we could let God arise tonight and let God do what he desires to do, there's absolutely no telling what will take place before we leave this service. I felt very strongly that this service tonight is going to be an anointing service. There's going to be a spiritual impartation that takes place before this service is through. And it's already happening. I believe God is already doing and he's preparing us for what he's going to do in the next few moments. One more time, I want us to just give great praise to God right now for what he is doing. For his holy presence that is in this place. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. It's all about you. It's all about your church. It's all about your kingdom. We give you glory and we give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. God spoke to us prophetically last year at a general board meeting for the UPC. As we were celebrating great victories in our organization, God said this, I'm not just going to give you unprecedented offerings, unprecedented support through attendance at events, and we were leading into a youth congress at that time. But there will also be an unprecedented move of my spirit. And it's happening right now in the church. Revival is not something that we are praying for. Harvest is not something that we are praying for. Revival is here. And Jesus said the harvest is plenteous. Don't say it's four months down the road somewhere. Don't say there's going to be a more favorable time or season. There's going to be a more convenient season. No, it's here right now. Revival is here. Harvest is before us. Jesus just said, pray the Lord of the harvest that, that somebody would hear the call and would enter into the harvest field and would do something about it. 
I appreciate the vision of Brother Isaac and this youth team, this bold initiative. And I believe that God is raising up an army of laborers that he's sending forth into the harvest field right here in this community, in this county, in this area. I believe that this is going to be a, an anointing service, a commissioning service in the Holy Ghost. That there's going to be a spiritual impartation that will rest upon this generation. These teenagers and young adults who are going to go forth from this weekend with an anointing of boldness. To enter into their calling and their purpose into this harvest field. And I, I'm claiming and believing this is not just going to be a season. It's not just going to be a season of harvest. I believe that the spiritual momentum that is taking place in the church right now, that we are seeing a sustained momentum that has gone beyond just a season. It's not the will of God for us to just enter into the promised land and get some evidence of the fruit and then to leave the promises of God. It's not His will for us to just be visitors to that place of promise. He wants us to take up residence. And for it to be more than just a season of anointing and a season of blessing and a season of harvest and a season of revival. But to have sustained harvest and sustained revival. I believe this is the generation upon whom the ends of the world have come. And it's time for us to take that prophetic anointing that is available. To claim it, to walk in it, to live in it. We're going to turn to Mark chapter number 16. It's been such a privilege to be here this weekend. Such an honor. I thank God for this, this ministry team, their friendship, their apostolic ministry. And I'm thankful for what God is doing in this church and through this church that reaches so much further than, than just this area. You are a, a blessing. You are a leading church in so many ways. And affect other churches that are influenced by what's happening here. So thank you for being that kind of an apostolic church. Appreciate your, your kindness to me this weekend. Received a basket in my hotel room there that had some chosen gear for my children. So thank you for that. And a gift card for me and my wife to go on a little date here in a few days. So thank you for that. Very, very kind and thoughtful. We're going to turn to Mark chapter number 16. Jesus is just about to ascend into the heavens. He has been crucified, buried, resurrected. Spent those final days with his disciples. He's about to go ascend up into the heavens. And he, he says unto them, Mark chapter 16, verse number 15. Jesus said unto them, go. Everybody say go. Now there are probably some who would love to just kind of stay in this kind of environment all the time. Just have church every day. You know, just go to church, eat, go back to church, eat some more. <laughs> I mean, that's what we do best as Pentecostals. We have good church and we know how to eat. Come on, somebody. But we can't do that. We can't stay here. Tomorrow morning, guess what? We got to go. We got to go to work. 
We got to go to school. We can't stay here. We have to go. There were probably some that would have liked to just stay on top of that mountain that day with Jesus. Jesus, why don't we just stay here? This feels good. No, he said, you got to go. He said to them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's our purpose. That's our calling. That's our commission. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. That's the reason that we preach the way that we preach. That's the reason that we believe the way that we... If if we really believe what we say, we believe that you must repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues in order to experience the new birth and enter into the kingdom of heaven. If we really believe what we say, we believe. If we really believe this, that you have to, to believe and be baptized in order to be saved. That's why we preach the way that we preach. That's why we worship the way that we worship. That's why we live the lives that we live. Because we believe this. Verse number 17. And these signs shall follow them that have a ministerial license. I'm sorry, you may have a different translation than I have. And these signs shall follow those who have a college degree. Thank God for education. I I don't think it says that though. These signs shall follow those who are pastors. These signs shall follow those who are over 40. These signs shall follow those who are perfect. Never had a bad day. Never made a mistake. It's not what it says. These signs shall follow them that believe. Do we have any believers in the house tonight? Come on, somebody. Is there anybody that has a little bit of faith to believe that God still does the supernatural? Is there anybody that believes that God still fills people with the Holy? We got testimony tonight, at least three, that can say, I believe God still does it. He still pours out his spirit. These signs shall follow them. That believe in my name shall they cast out devils. There's not a demonic force that can stand in the way of the power of Jesus Christ. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. I'll let you guys take care of that part. They shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. Somehow... Between the first line of that, that paragraph and the last, we forget the qualification. Somewhere along the line, when we start hearing about laying on of hands and healing coming, we forget the qualification that he wasn't talking about just pastors. He wasn't talking about just missionaries. He, he wasn't talking just about some kind of elite Christian somewhere. But he was talking about anybody that believes. Anybody that has faith, these signs shall follow them that believe. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to preach for a little bit tonight uh, until somebody believes. I'm going to preach until somebody responds uh, in faith. Um, I believe that God responds to faith. Um, He doesn't just respond to need. There are a whole lot of people that Jesus walked by who never got their healing, never got their miracle, never got their blessing. Jesus does not respond to need. He responds to faith. He responds to those who activate their faith, who express their faith. 
Come on, take a moment right now and lift your hands and lift your voice and just express your faith. Come on through your worship right now. Just go ahead and express your faith. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God bless you. You can be seated. We have all been given this ability to believe, to express faith in something or in somebody. In fact, the word would tell us that we have been given a measure of faith. But just because somebody believes something doesn't make it right. Faith itself is not a virtue. Just because somebody says something, expresses something, doesn't make it right. Just because somebody believes something doesn't make it right. Because there's some people that believe some crazy stuff. There's some crazy people. Cray cray. Some people, like, I don't know where you came up with that. That is ridiculous. I came across this guy the other day on social media. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to start exploring a little bit. Came across this guy. Bobby Ray Simmons Jr. He is a rapper. He goes by the, the nickname, I guess you would call it, 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 capital B, period, lowercase o, period, capital B. I guess that's Bob. But I got confused by all the periods and capital letters and stuff. So I guess it's Bob. But Bob is on a personal crusade to convince everybody that the world is flat. He's got scientific evidence. He's got pictures. He's got videos. He's, I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. I thought Columbus figured that out for us like hundreds of years ago. Before we had satellites that showed us, I think it's pretty round. But just because somebody believes something doesn't make it right. I mean, I can look at this screen right here and say, this screen is purple. That don't make it purple. It makes me colorblind or delusional. But just because I believe it's a different color doesn't make it a different color. Just because somebody believes something doesn't make it right. Just because somebody says, I believe I'm a Christian doesn't necessarily make them a Christian. Paul said it's possible to believe a lie. Second Thessalonians chapter two. He said it's possible for us to believe a lie. Did you know that your heart is deceitful? Bible says our heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? That's why we have to have the word of God in our lives. In order to alert us when we are deceived, when we are falling prey to deception and to believing a lie. That's why we have to have a man of God in our lives to preach truth to us. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And that's why we got to have the word of God and a man of God in our lives to speak truth to us, to help us understand when we may be deceived or we might believe something that is not truth. You ought to thank God for a pastor who preaches truth to you. You ought to thank God that you're a part of a church that preaches truth. Now, this isn't really my notes, but you don't really have a pastor just because you go to a church. 
You don't have a pastor just because you pay tithes somewhere or your name is on. You know how you, you know, young person, when you have a pastor, this is how you know. This is the test of whether or not you have a pastor. It's when your pastor tells you no. It's, it, it's when your pastor says, no, I don't think you need to do that. I don't think you need to go there. I don't think you need to watch that. I don't think you need to date her. Uh-oh. Come on now, somebody. I just, just felt to just kind of stop right here. I don't know what's going on. All right, I'll be an equal opportunity offender. When, when God says, don't date him. And you say, yes, sir. And you still show up at church. And you still worship. And you still praise God. And you're still involved. And you keep paying your tithes. And you keep showing up. And you're still... That's how you know when you have a pastor. Is when you don't agree with something. But you submit yourself. And you say amen. And yes sir. And okay. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust my pastor. You ought to thank God for a pastor. Who will speak truth into your life. Even when you don't agree with it. Even when you don't like it. Even when you don't want to do it. You're blessed because you got a church that will speak truth truth into your life our faith is not powerful because of who possesses it or the abilities of the one who expresses it in fact i think sometimes that we think a certain type of faith is reserved for a certain type of personality that only certain personalities can have powerful faith that only certain people with a certain kind of ministry and personality and ability to articulate and express that faith are the only ones that the anointing of God can flow through. And some of us have disqualified ourselves and said, I guess God could never use me that way. I guess God could never do that through me because I don't have the right personality. The, the power of God is not dependent upon a personality. The power of God is not dependent upon the person who possesses it. Our faith is not powerful because of who possesses it. It's powerful because of where it is placed. Our faith is not in tradition. Our faith is not in human philosophy. Our faith is not in the religious creed of a denomination. Our faith is not certainly in the opinion of our culture. Our faith is not in our own intellect, not in our own resources, not in our own physical strength. But our faith is powerful tonight because our faith is in Jesus Christ. Our faith is in a name that's above every name. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father our faith is powerful because our faith is in the name of the one who has all power our faith is powerful tonight because the foundation of our faith is the never-changing, infallible, forever-settled Word of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Peter said, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star rise in our hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is not just a collection of good ideas. 
This is not just a collection of good stories. These are not fairy tales, but all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Our faith is powerful because it is founded upon the rock that is the word of God. Somebody thank God for truth right now. Somebody thank God for a sure foundation. Jesus said, when you hear my word and you obey my word, you're like a man who builds his house on a rock and the winds may blow, the rain may fall, the flood may rise, but that house is going to stand. We're living in a crazy world where everything that can be shaken is being shaken. I thank God for a sure foundation that we can stand upon. Now, this word believe, everybody say, I believe. Everybody else say, I believe. There's a couple of different levels of expression when it comes to this word. You've all been there. When somebody asks you a question and you say, I believe that's the answer. Just overflowing with confidence. I believe maybe, yeah, maybe so. I, I believe that didn't inspire any confidence at all. Just, just an expression, a weak expression of possibility. To have an opinion, maybe so, to, to think or imagine or suppose, to just guess, just a wild guess. That kind of faith isn't going to get the job done. In 2016, that kind of faith isn't going to work when you walk onto your college campus tomorrow and you are confronted by every secular, humanistic, evil philosophy and spirit that you can imagine. That kind of maybe so weak expression of possibility faith isn't going to get the job done. When you walk in the hallways of your high school and you're confronted by those spirits of opposition, when, when you're confronted by temptation and, and all those spirits and philosophies and, and things are coming against you, that kind of faith isn't going to get the job done. But there is another form of this word belief. It is a stronger expression of this word. And it is a, a declaration of fact. It is a statement of certainty. It is to regard as the truth, to be convinced and assured, to have confidence in. It is to absolutely Absolutely no, beyond the shadow of a doubt. That's the kind of faith that God is looking for tonight. That's the kind of confidence that God is looking for tonight. I believe it's the kind of faith that the writer of Hebrews talked about in chapter 11, verse 1. When he said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things not seen. It's the kind of faith that reaches beyond this dimension into another dimension. It's the kind of faith that reaches beyond the known into the unknown, that reaches beyond the seen into the unseen, and gets a hold of some evidence of some things that have not happened yet. You better look out, devil, because there's some young people tonight that are going to reach into some unseen places of faith. The Bible study hasn't been taught yet. 
that friend hasn't come to church yet. That person hasn't received the Holy Ghost yet. That campus ministry hasn't been started yet. That Bible study club hasn't been started yet. The miracle hasn't happened yet. The provision hasn't happened yet. But somebody tonight is going to have some faith that reaches into the unknown and begins to speak those things which are not as though they were. You know what I'm praying before we leave this service? That somebody prays some impossible prayers. That somebody prays something. You're thinking in your mind, there's no way this could happen, but I'm going to pray it anyway. There's no way that God could do that through me, but I'm going to pray it anyway. There's no way through me, but with God, but with God, all things are possible. Come on, somebody just take a moment and just reach with me right now. Come on, just reach with me into another world right now. Do you feel that? Do you, you know what you're feeling? You're feeling some evidence of, of something that hasn't happened yet. See, biblical faith, biblical faith is active faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, just a few verses later, says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you can't even start the journey. Without faith, you, you can't even begin the process. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It does not say that he's a rewarder of those who have great faith. He is a rewarder of those who activate their faith. And they begin to pursue him. He's a rewarder of those who have active faith. He rewards those who diligently seek after him. He rewards those when God becomes more important than everything else. When God becomes the, the highest aim and the greatest goal. He is a rewarder of those who activate their faith. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And these signs shall follow them that believe. If signs are going to follow. You got to be going somewhere. Signs can only follow if you're going somewhere. These signs shall follow them that believe. It's not enough for us to just have a sign on the outside of the church that says we're apostolic. We got to have signs on the inside of the church that say we're apostolic. These signs shall follow them that believe. God responds to active faith. Look at James 2.19. Look at James 2.19. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. Good job. Blue star. The devils also believe in tremble. Well, that's not a very good category to be in. You believe there's one God. That's awesome. But that's not enough. 
That's not enough. Just believe. Just, just a mental concept. The devils believe. The devils have faith. You got to do something with it. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. You got to do something with it. You're no better than the devil. If you just believe. But that mental concept must turn into a conviction that moves you into purposeful action. That mental concept has to take you somewhere to a place of purpose, to a place of action. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're we're starting to enter into the altar call phase of the service, okay? Are you ready for this? It's going to be very strategic because we're going to start in our pews, all right? That's going to be step one. We're going to start here. I'm going to give you some instruction. Step number two, I'm going to ask the ministers in the church to help me. And I'm going to have them come up here to the front. And I'm going to have the young people, young adults come forward. We're going to have an anointing and commissioning service. But step number three, I believe God is going to give opportunity for you to activate your faith tonight. And there's going to be some young people that are going to pray some, for some adults. And I believe that the anointing of God is going to flow through you and minister through you before this service is over. Are you ready to go there? Are you ready to go there? So here's what, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to deal, first of all, with an enemy of your faith. We're not going to take long because we, we've kind of dealt with this a little bit this weekend. But we're going to deal with this one more time tonight. We're going to deal with an enemy of your faith. Everybody say fear. Fear is an enemy of your faith. Fear rears its ugly head every time you want to step out in faith. You, you want to invite that friend. You, you want to teach that Bible study. You, you want to be in the praise team. You want to preach that message. You want to accept that call and fear rears its ugly head. And, and one, one of the greatest manifestations of fear is condemnation. Condemnation is one of the greatest manifestations of fear. And there's two sources of condemnation. Number one, the first source of condemnation is sin. If, if you're living in sin and you're dealing with condemnation, you shouldn't be surprised. If you would like to get rid of the condemnation that you're dealing with because you're living in sin, I I have a one-word instruction for you tonight. Stop! Stop doing what you're doing. Stop living in sin. Stop doing that. Stop looking at that stuff on your phone. Stop going there on the internet. Stop doing that. If you're living in condemnation because of pornography, because of a promiscuous lifestyle, stop doing it. Stop. If you're living in condemnation because you're drinking alcohol and doing drugs, just stop. And you won't deal with that condemnation anymore. You know what the word repent means? Stop. Turn around. Go a different direction. you got to stop. But there's a second source of condemnation I want to deal with tonight. Because this is the most insidious weapon of the enemy. After you have repented of your sins, and your sins are covered by the blood of Jesus... There is a weapon of the enemy called condemnation that he tries to bring against you. That moment you go to worship and you think about something you did in your past. You've already repented of it. You, you, you've already prayed through about it. You, you've already turned around and gone a different direction. But the enemy uses a weapon of condemnation to remind you of past faults that paralyzes you and stops you from stepping forward in faith into the purpose of God. I've come to pray against that spirit of condemnation tonight. I've come to pray that somebody's faith would be restored in the blood of Jesus Christ. That when you have repented of your sins and his blood has washed over you. If God has forgiven you, you have to forgive yourself. 
If God doesn't remember it, you got to put it under the blood. You got to leave it at the altar and trust the blood of Jesus Christ that he's forgiven you. You don't have to live in condemnation. You don't have to live in guilt. You don't have to live in shame. So here's what we're going to do all over this congregation. We're going to repent together and we're going to put, we're going to put it under the blood of Jesus Christ once and for all. We're going to give it to God and we're going to pray against the spirit of condemnation. I want you to bow your heads all over this congregation. Some of you are battling condemnation right now in your mind. You, you want to respond. You want to worship. You, you want to experience the power of God, but condemnation keeps showing up and paralyzing your worship and paralyzing your prayer. I pray against that spirit right now in the name of Jesus. And I want us to begin to repent together. Everybody all over this congregation from young to old, we're going to repent together right now. God, I am sorry for my sin. God, I repent before you. I pray that you would search my heart, that you would know my mind, that you would try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. God, lead me in the way everlasting. Have mercy upon me according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. God, purge me, wash me, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I rebuke that spirit of condemnation that's coming against your mind and your spirit right now. That spirit of inferiority that tells you you're not good enough, that your past is too scarred by sin, that you're unqualified and disqualified. I rebuke that spirit, that lie of the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. There is now, therefore, no more condemnation. Somebody claim that right now in the name of Jesus. Claim it right now in the name of Jesus. I want you to begin to put your hands together. Somebody right now, you may still be dealing with a little bit of that guilt and shame, but I want you to thank God for forgiveness. Thank God for repentance. The opportunity for us to repent and give our sins to God. Here's why this is so important. I want to musicians go ahead and come. Here's, here's why this is so important. First John chapter 3, verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God that whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. You see, when you have dealt with condemnation, if your heart does not condemn you, then you can have faith to believe that whenever you ask God for something, it's going to happen. When you ask God for that door to open, it's going to happen. You ask God for that Bible study, it's going to happen. You ask God for that miracle, it's going to happen. You see, we have confidence when we've overcome condemnation. Have confidence that God is going to hear and answer and respond. Mark chapter number 9. A man came to Jesus. His son was in need. He said, Lord, can you help us? Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. If thou canst believe, if you can just believe, then anything is possible. 
all those lies the enemy has told you you can't do this you can't do that you can't be that it's possible if you can just believe not in your own ability but if you can put your your faith and your trust in the ability of the one who can do all things you see jesus has a pretty good track record of telling people to do things that are impossible throughout his ministry here on the earth he would would go up to a blind man and he would say see now jesus he's blind he can't see that's his problem oh he can now he can see now he would go to a lame man and tell him take up your bed and walk well jesus you see that this this is the problem it's actually why he came to church today because he's lame he can't wait wait a second where's where's he going where where are you going i can walk now he he would tell the deaf to hear he would tell the dead to get up out of the grave you see some of you are saying i I can't teach a bible study (laughs) you are a perfect candidate to teach a bible study because jesus is saying you can now but but jesus i i can't preach i I couldn't be a preacher oh you can now when jesus says i i couldn't sing that song you can now i i can't answer that call oh you you can now you see impossible is just a word that's thrown about thrown around by small men who are afraid to step out from that realm of the known impossible is not a fact it's just an opinion impossible is not a declaration it's a dare impossible is potential impossible is temporary impossible is nothing with God all things are possible I want you to stand with me all over this congregation just a couple of months ago I was privileged to go on a missions trip to Madagascar took 63 teenagers and young adults that country halfway around the world on a Friday afternoon there were five young ladies who put together a little Bible study a little Bible story from five young ladies from our trip they had never taught a lesson they had never led a children's service but five teenage young ladies got their little Bible story together they began to teach it before a group of children with a translator they gave an altar call after just a few moments the children began to respond and in just a few moments of that altar service 43 children received the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the very first time 5 teenage young ladies who said I've never done this before but God I'm available if you want to use me if you want to speak through me and 43 children there's a whole lot of evangelists me being one who would love for 43 people to get the Holy Ghost when I preach 5 young ladies who just taught a little Bible story and God responded that same day in a street service those young people were singing the people out there couldn't understand a word they were saying. One of the evangelists from that church got up and he preached about a five-minute message. Made an invitation for people to come and to get prayer from our group. Street service. People responded. A few people started to receive the Holy Ghost. There was one man, an elderly gentleman over on the right side, who all of a sudden started shouting and worshiping and praising. Three of our young people were praying with him and started asking, what's going on? What's happening? And finally a translator came over and said, when he came to the street service he couldn't see but now 
He's pointing out your hat and the color of your clothes, saying, I can see, I can see, I can see. I'm talking about three young people who said, God, I want to do something for you. I've got just a little bit of faith to believe that you could do something impossible. Earlier this year, I was snow skiing in Canada in February, Whistler in British Columbia. I was going very fast and I went off a jump and went into the air and that's as far as I planned. And I landed on my shoulder and I don't recommend that. I heard a very loud crack just right there, you know, right there in your ear when you break your shoulder. I mean, I heard this just horrible crack. I roll over, I stand up, I can't move my left arm. It's just immobile. Go to the ER, doctor said, you, you, this is not what you want to hear from a doctor. I have never seen a shoulder break like this. Been doing this 20 years, I've never seen this before. The shoulder blade is the second hardest bone in the body. I don't know how you broke your shoulder like this, it's unbelievable. Doctor, that's not helping me a whole lot right now. He said, you have, you have just blown up your shoulder. He said, it looks like bone has broken loose, probably torn rotator cuff, torn ligaments. He said, you're, you're in bad shape. So I go home. Six days later, I'm preaching down in Tennessee. I'm preaching a youth event. And during that altar service, I'm kind of sitting over in the left side, and this young man comes up to me. And I can tell he, he wants to, to say something, or he wants to, he's trying to get my attention. He looks absolutely terrified. I'm like, what is going on? This guy is dealing with the spirit of fear right now, apparently. He calls me to him. I, I'm, I'm kind of bend over like, what's going on, man? I'm preaching with the sling on. And he's like, I feel like God told me while you were preaching that I need to pray for you. He was so scared to death to tell me that he felt like God told him to pray for me. I'm like, bro, lay your hands on me and pray for me. I'm in pain. He puts his hand on my chest. I grabbed his hand and I put it on my forehead and said, pray for me. He starts praying for me in the name of Jesus. It felt like Holy Ghost muscle relaxers started going through my shoulder. I hadn't been able to move my elbow away from my, my side for those six days. I started lifting my hand. I lifted my hand straight up. Now I'm talking about for six days. Every time I breathed, it felt like a knife was going through my shoulder. The pain was gone. I lifted my hand straight up. Listen to this. I went to my orthopedic surgeon the next week. Now that's not good when you have a personal orthopedic surgeon. Just tells you a little bit about my crazy history. He looks at my shoulder, does a CT scan where they can get 3D images and looks at it every which way you can look at it. Says, you've got a very small fracture in your shoulder blade. But he said, I don't really understand this because the shoulder blade is so hard to break. You have to hit it with such force. But there's no other damage. There's no broken bone that's loose. The rotator cuff is fine. All the ligaments are okay. Three weeks later, I was playing golf. I'm talking about a young person who said, God, I want you to use me. I want your anointing to flow through me. I'm wondering if there's somebody that says, God, I want to be that one. It seems impossible to me, but I want to be the one. Youth Congress last year. Final story. We're about to open these altars. Youth Congress last year. Thursday night at Youth Congress. For those that were there, you remember Brother Stan Gleason preached. 
He had four elders that were on that stage that night representing apostolic doctrine, apostolic holiness, apostolic ministry and anointing and power. One of the elders that was on that stage was Brother Lee Stone King. And each of those elders had a mantle in their hands. Each of those elders at an appointed time would throw that mantle out into the crowd. I remember I'd worked my way around to that side of the stage where Brother, Brother Stone King was. And at that appointed time, when Brother Stone King threw that mantle out into the crowd, I'll never forget this image of this young man flying through the air. I think he probably stepped on three heads, jumped over four pews, and he comes flying through the air and snatches that mantle out of the air. And I remember thinking to myself, he really wanted that mantle. It's like, wow. He, I think he'd been waiting on it. I think he'd been ready. He's like, I know he's going to throw that mantle. Wherever it goes, I'm ready. I'm getting that thing. But I didn't find out the rest of the story until the next day. Friday afternoon, a pastor comes up to me. He goes, I got to tell you this story. He said, when I came to Youth Congress, I was so sick in my body. He said, I couldn't come Wednesday night, couldn't come Thursday morning during the day. I was so sick. I'm just in the hotel room. I'm in pain. I'm sick. He said, finally Thursday night, I decided to come to the service. I just, I, I was tired of missing church. I wanted to come and be a part of what was happening. And so he came to the service Thursday night. He is three rows from the top of the building up there in level three. About as far as you can get from the stage. He said there in the middle of that service, he said, God spoke to him and said, a young person is going to lay their hands on you and pray for you and you're going to be healed tonight. He said, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. Send them on right now. I'm sick. Goes to the worship service, nothing. Goes to the altar service, the, the preaching, nothing. Altar service is happening. He's just kind of leaned over in his chair. He's praying, God, touch me. God, I need you. And all of a sudden there's a tap on his shoulder. And he looks up, and his nephew is standing there. And his nephew has something in his hand. And he said, Uncle Anthony, you're not going to believe this. But just a few moments ago, I was down there by the stage. And when Brother Stone King threw that mantle out into the crowd, I'm the one who grabbed it. I'm the one who got Brother Stone King's mantle. I'm the one. It's right here. This is Brother Stone King's mantle. He said, nephew, lay your hands on me and pray for me. His nephew, his teenage nephew, laid his hands on the head of that pastor and started praying for him. In just a moment, God healed him instantly, completely. No more pain. No more sickness in his body. God's looking for an Elisha tonight who's been touched by the mantle of an Elijah. I want all my ministers to come help me. I want you to line up across the front. Every minister, every leader in this church, I want you to come line across this front right now. I want every leader, every pastor, every minister come line up across the front. Pastors' wives, leaders' wives, ministers' wives, come join us across the front right here. In just a moment, I'm going to release you. I want every teenager and every young adult to get ready to respond. In just a moment, I go, that's it, spread across this front. That's beautiful. In just a moment, I'm going to release the teenagers and, and young adults in this church to respond. And these leaders and ministers, pastors are going to lay their hands on you. And I'm believing for an impartation to take place in the spirit. There are mantles that are available. 
It has been declared. It was declared at Youth Congress multiple times Thursday night, Friday night at a minister's meeting in January that there are ancient mantles of anointing that are available for your generation, for whosoever will, for whoever desires it, for whoever wants it. I was at the, the funeral service of an elder two years ago, Elder James Kilgore, a hero of the faith, an apostolic giant. And at his funeral service, another of our elders and Pentecostal icon stood over his casket and said these words that shook me to the core. He said, there are always apostolic mantles of anointing that are available for every generation. But there are not always young men and young ladies who will step forth and accept the call and claim the mantle and pay the price and make the commitment to take on that mantle of anointing and to begin to live in it and walk in it. There are mantles of anointing that are available for your generation, for whosoever will. For some young person who would say, I believe, not in my ability, not in what I have to offer, but I believe in a God who can do anything, a God who can work through anybody, a God who desires to use every single one of you. I open these altars right now. I'm going to ask every teenager and every young adult to step forth into this altar area. I want you to come and I want you to find one of these leaders, one of these pastors, pastor's wives. I want you to find them. I want you to ask them to lay their hands upon you and pray an anointing upon you. This is an anointing service. This is a commissioning service. I pray in the name of Jesus that there would be an impartation in the Spirit. I invite anybody else who wants to come to come and join us around this fun and pray right now. I invite you to join us. right now there are mantles that are falling
just had one more person get the Holy Ghost. Come on, many people are receiving something from the Holy Ghost. Let's not get discouraged with what God's doing. Let's not get discouraged or get bored. That's it. Come on, that's it. In the name of Jesus. Receive purpose. Receive vision. Spirit of fear be cast out in the name of Jesus. Spirit of condemnation be gone in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive the will of God for your life. Receive a greater vision than you've ever seen before. In the 
Ramando Rima Babahase. I wonder if we could turn this entire sanctuary into an altar area right now. I want to release some young people to begin moving through this crowd and to start praying for some adults right now. You see, it's not the will of God for His anointing to just flow to you, but He wants it to flow through you. So I want some bold young people. This is going to take some boldness, but I wonder if some young people could begin to make your way through this crowd and just find some adults. Just pray for them. Just pray a blessing on them. Just pray that God would take care of their needs and minister to them. Come on, young person. I want you to start making your way. Go find you an adult out here in this congregation to pray for. We just had one more. Get the Holy Ghost. Come on, young person. This is your opportunity to activate your faith. For God to use your prayer. Come on, start making your way through this congregation. Pray for your elders. Pray for your leaders. Pray for the saints of this church. I know it may be a little awkward. It may not be natural or normal. Find somebody to pray for right now. Find somebody to minister. These signs shall follow them that believe. These signs shall follow them that believe. Grab one of your friends and say, come on, let's go find somebody to pray for. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, come on, that's it, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. It's happening all over this congregation right now, in the name of Jesus. Find your parents and pray for them, find your grandparents and pray for them. Jesus in the name of Jesus come on this is apostolic revival in the last days saith God I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams the revival that God has for his church It's a multi-generational revival. It's going to be from the young to the old. From the teenager to the grandparent. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
in the name of Jesus. This is beautiful. This is supernatural. God's doing a supernatural work right now. God's using the prayer of a young person right now for his anointing to flow through you. You don't have to be perfect for God to use you. You don't have to be a certain age for God to use you. You just got to believe. You just got to believe. Not in yourself. You just got to believe in Him. You just have to believe in His power. Believe in His ability.
will not officially dismiss the service tonight. If you need to leave, you're welcome to do so whenever you're, whenever you're ready to leave. But all young adults, I need to see you. All young adults, I need to see you downstairs after church in the chapel whenever you're finished praying. And any young person that was not in the 5 o'clock meeting tonight, 13 to 18 year olds, I need to see you in the chapel right now.